I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. What's up, AfterBuzzers? I am so excited to finally be back. We have missed you so much these past couple weeks, but I cannot wait to dive into everything that has been going on because in the most 100 fashion, there's a lot of ish happening right now. So to begin, I'm your host, Haley Graves, and joining me are my lovely co-hosts and just a little refresher for all of you. We have Mr. Gunner. Texera, go ahead and say what's up, Gunner. What's up, you guys? I'm so excited to be back and break the show down and certainly not last but not least mr jorge payo say hello hola como estas everybody uh, missed y'all i love it all right guys so the way we're gonna do this episode is because we know we've we've missed a chunk here so at the top of this we're gonna break down just our overall thoughts of where we're at at this point in this season then after that we're gonna break down all the nitty-gritty of every single storyline that's happening because right now things are kind of all over the place i'm just gonna throw that one out there we have gunner who's gonna bring us some news and gossip and Jorge's super fun game are over under, which I always lose at in case anyone just needs a reminder. And then lastly, we'll wrap up with some predictions because things are starting to get interesting and worth predicting. All right. So let's get into it, guys. Jorge, what are your overall thoughts of where we're at right now? Oh, wow. What a journey it's been. Uh, I just realized today that we've missed four episodes of the, of the after our show. Um, but I've been keeping up with the show the entire time. I'm uh, I, I mean, I've got two things. One, I love where they're going with Indra's character. I, like I said before, we started the show today. Um, the you know the the episode before this one was probably my favorite so far of the season. When Indra steps up and you know, and she's like, "I'm in charge. I am the captain now." You know, <laughs> um, and that. But the other thing is, you know, if they killed my boy Bellamy for reals. I'm mad. <laughs> I'm just so mad right now on that. But that's where I'm at with the show. All right, Gunner, what's your take? I 100% agree with the Indra um, uh, tactic perspective. I thought for the longest time, I honestly, until that scene happened, I forgot about this theory that I thought she was going to become the next commander or be brought in. But we always knew that they needed the night blood. But I always thought she'd make such an excellent leader. But that's how she said she always wanted to be the... Um, second in command the role model advisor very excited for that no way bellamy is gone i think they're just playing very respectful to the actor wanting to take some time off for himself which we love to see and i think we have some really cool plot lines coming out that i'm really excited for so it'll be really interesting to see all the other characters development well guys i'm gonna be the odd duck here oh. and when i say that it's because i just kind of feel a little wtf-ish because I'm just kind of confused as to why they're doing so much in this last season. I think a little bit, I'm really enjoying every storyline, but knowing that this is all going to come to an end almost just stays in the back of my mind as I'm going through these new character arcs that we're discovering, you know, with Echo and with Dioza and with Hope and, and not just that, but I just feel like there's so much happening that it almost when I'm watching it to me it seems as if the writers were just like okay oh you have this idea let's go with it you like this let's go with that too and it it just doesn't it doesn't have a flow for me right now in the beginning those first two episodes when it was um when they were on Bardo and then when we were back at um Sanctum that felt 
in sync for me. I, it was clear where we were and now I know where they're clear. It's just so much jumping around that I really have to lock in and be like, okay, so they're there. Okay. Now they're traveling to there and they're there and they're mad at them. And it's just <laughs> a lot for me, but I guess it's also probably just cause I've missed this after show and I'm not getting to talk about it with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So, uh, I- I agree with you. I mean, in many senses of the word, it feels a bit convoluted. Like there's so much going on. And I text you guys earlier today because I'm completely at a loss as to why it is that the um, children of Gabriel are an abomination now. I don't know if that was something that was stated before that they're an abomination or and So I'm lost in all these storylines and I feel like I'm playing a little bit. of I, Yeah. It, it almost feels, because we've heard about the children of Gabriel, and we know a little bit of their, we know a good enough amount of their backstory, I would say, but I almost feel that they're not doing every storyline the amount of justice that it deserves to mm-hmm. where we could be, because they, it, it, like I said, it feels as if these writers had a ton of different ideas, and they wanted to put them in and give it this last season everything they had, because they know there's not going to be another, so in return as the audience I just end up being confused and so for you with as far as them being an abomination I think what it really means is and you know anyone correct me if I'm wrong because I'm just pulling from memory here of previous seasons but I want to say we learned through Gabriel that the children of Gabriel were cast out from um, the primes because they were either not deemed worthy or it was something that pretty much the primes just decided that their body would never want to be chosen as one, like basically as one of them. And I don't know if that has anything to do with night blood or not. Um, because I know the primes have night blood, but, um, that's why I think that they're considered abominations is because the primes pretty much decided when these children were born or when they got to a certain age, like, Hey, we're never going to have a use of you. And then they literally kicked them out of sanctum. And then they went and became the children of Gabriel. So they're realistically the true outcasts of everyone. Ah, because they don't have the gene to even create more night bloods. That's, that's, I'm, something like that. I wish I remember exactly, but it, that's what makes sense enough in my brain to know why the children of Gabriel are abominations because mm-hmm. they couldn't basically give the primes glory and whatever their little chances that's definitely what i was thinking as well we were talking about this before that it was because of the bloodline yeah i also thought it was almost that they were just defectors like we aren't going to follow this religion in a sense i think that's what it ended up becoming as people started to realize what it was and that so you obviously you have the ones you know that got casted out early on so they had to figure out how to live they lived with gabriel and i think gabriel's original stance on it is what you just said Gunner. that Gabriel was the one who said I don't agree with this and he that's why he chose to leave and then he started to collect his followers and people that got casted out and that's how he kind of created the children of Gabriel because it was all those people being casted out and then along with anyone who disagreed with the practice wow yeah at least at least that's how I've been following it believe me I'm sure someone is going to completely correct me but that's how I, that's how, that's my interpretation. Okay. Um, so that's, I mean, that's where we are. There's a lot of animosity and sanctum. Of -hmm. course, there always has to be. And then, you know, Clark's on a different planet and then you have everything that's going on, on Bardo. So I think right now, the best thing to do is we'll just 
go to each one of those main three things and discuss. So I'm going to just go straight to Bardo. We know that um, Hope and Dioza and Octavian Echo, they're all captured and they're in their respective cells. Um, After Hope, Dioza, oh no, Dioza got released or she, you know. But she escaped. Yeah, Yeah, she did the whole, she did the whole eye thing. She released herself. Uh, Yeah. Released herself. Ripped out that Uh, neck, that jugular. uh, I don't want to. I mean, and you know, as it was kind of slightly unnecessary because the guy straight up was like, I'll release you. I got you. Like, I will let you go. Yeah, not that he couldn't have called someone else, but you know, in that moment, she's just like, ah. you know you're going back you're trying to get back to your child okay but so let's talk about specifically their moment that they had in that cell and the fact that I did think it was interesting that they separated them like that it was obviously intentional but um Gunnar what were your thoughts when Hope and Dioza were fighting each other and Hope you know has this big bad tough I I can do whatever the hell I want exterior and attitude going on I definitely I 100% remember this phrase. I think I heard it either in a cartoon or just along my life of, uh, I believe it's talent or skill is wasted on the youth because of immaturity. And it's kind of a reflection of when you're youthful, you think you're so talented and you know so much. That's what hope represents. And then there was like a counter thing. I remember the line was, uh, and wisdom is wasted on the um, elderly because But oh, no. I think it's so true to see uh, Dioza, Dioza not willing to fight anymore, thinking to be smarter about it, let's be patient, and hope wanting to rush into things. And it reminds me a bit of a Zuko character arc from Avatar, because you see this villain like Dioza. And I realized Dioza's been around for a good now four, five, four, three seasons. Yeah. And uh-huh. we've seen a real character arc in development that she mm-hmm. never was a pure villain or pure evil. She really did have this cause of wanting to fight for the world, fight for freedom and everything. I mean, we learned that even in more of her history. But then once she became a mother, she just wanted to keep that as her label and no longer as a terrorist and everything. So seeing those two fight and have to deal with their scars and their skeletons in each other's closets was really beautiful, actually. I um, definitely also got vibes. And Jorge, let me know your thoughts on this. I got vibes that Hope reminded me kind of that original Dioza, the one yeah. with that tough exterior, the one who didn't mm-hmm. need anybody, thought she could handle it on her own, and someone that stemmed from revenge and from anger. And I feel like that's another kind of underlying theme because this is jumping a little bit here, but we also saw that with Nelson and um, mm. Shade Hayda or however, however we want to refer to him. Uh, but him and Nelson in his cell when he brings up the fact of fighting with anger too. And so I thought it was kind of unique that that's been more than once acknowledged right now in this point in the season. Well, yeah, I mean, as you can see, I mean, it, it, it's a tale as old of, as old as time, you know, the idea of anger being able to be manipulated, right. Manipulated for, for whatever force you want to use it for. I mean, you saw you see it in star Wars, you know, <laughs> you see it in Marvel with the Hulk, yeah. right. How are you going to use this anger? And the beauty of experience coming with Dioza. Dioza and Shade Hedda have experience beyond belief and are both master manipulators. So to be able to watch them, um, however, even that fight with Dioza, you could see that that fight was out of love, however. Whereas whereas Shade Hedda's uh, manipulations come straight out of power. 
yeah. which again goes back to st classic storytelling. Classic storytelling is love, or, love and power, love and yeah. power. What do, what do we want? What is the character's main agenda by the end of mm -hmm. by by the end of the series? Um, uh, so I, I I don't know that that fight between Dioza and Hope uh, I found to be um, you know a a, a, a true growth moment yeah. for Hope. Yeah, is what it was. A true I growth. also. I also enjoyed the fact that it led to a crack in her, you know, tough exterior because mm -hmm. we saw her be incredibly vulnerable. Finally, at last, over 15 years mm -hmm. of fighting at literally fighting every single day to get back to this moment in her mom's arms. And she finally achieved that and almost that sense of release that she was able to have and pour out while she was hugging Dio's. I thought it was really beautiful and almost as beautiful as Echo and Octavia. Right. You know, to, to, again, just talking about that growth and that wisdom that comes with experience. Like, let's think of Octavia, you know, the mm -hmm. one that has always put others pretty much in front of her, especially her loved ones. And to be able to sit there and grab Echo and just embrace her and hug her and not let her go. And, and to call her family. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. And, and especially I'm getting chills talking about it because, you know, mm -hmm. Echo, you can, you feel that. Yeah. pain and you can see that hurt on her gunner what were you thinking in that moment and how really huge that was and guys it a little bit feels like octavia calling echo family the solidifying factor of bellamy being gone just throwing that out there it kind of does i think for the for plot writing and to have that surprise effect that's why i think yeah. he's coming back for sure yeah uh i also had my theories about some ending scenes in this episode about Bellamy too that's why I really thought he was but that relationship because I definitely forget how much Octavia and Echo have been at each other's throats and been such enemies and antagonists each other because of pushing her off the cliff like locking her out of everything and I did like seeing Echo and Bellamy's love story begin because you always see with time jumps that random couple or a couple that starts before at the end of the before the time jump are together and then one of them's off with someone new and you're always uh, thinking why or how did this happen and is this just a plot to make us fall more in love with the original couple it just made me more appreciate their relationship now that you see the birth of it and that hug was what allowed them to finally be like oh their anger and resentment towards each other yeah and and the other two that also had a breakthrough moment was raven and clark mm -hmm. and so we know that they're on pretty much another prisoner planet, or I don't even know, it's not necessarily even a prisoner planet, it's where they're keeping their dead, where Bardo sends like their dead. Noctura, and, right? Yes. Noctura? Like, yes. Yeah, like a graveyard, basically. Yeah. Pretty much, yes. It, with some sort of living thing that has killed. Yeah. yeah, whatever it is that they're in. Um, I thought that that was a crucial moment. I thought it was a little strange, the execution of it. And just as far mm -hmm. as from a writing perspective, it was just odd because realistically- Yeah, what end did they climb in through? Yeah, and it, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> but I mean, they like, that it almost was completely unnecessary except for this moment between Raven and Clark. Mm -hmm. You know, it needed to be a situation where those two were together and Raven was finally- have able to admit and confide in someone about how she was feeling and how cracked her soul really is. Jorge, what were your thoughts as Raven was expressing all this guilt 
You know, all of this is bringing up a lot of stuff for me. Uh, there was a great quote. It's actually, I think, by Johnny Depp. And it's something that goes along that uh, people cry not because they're weak. It's because they've been strong for too long. Yeah. Right. Yeah. People cry, it, which is uh, a testament, again, to the writing style that's yeah. put into the script. These these people aren't crying because, you know, they're weak because they're playing the victim of something yeah. they're crying because and and that conversation between Clark and Raven was like and there and, and again the conversation between Octavia and Echo we've all done things yeah we've all done things and we're all trying to you know hold it together and just survive to the next day and that's why each and every single one of those characters broke down was yeah. because they've been tough for so long you know yeah try just trying to survive that it was just like and for hope in that moment 15 years being trained by dev and then to finally be held in her mother's arms because that's what that moment was about too it wasn't so much about the fight but it was about the end of the fight when she when her mother was just hugging her from behind and she's just broke down because she was allowed to be vulnerable in that moment yeah you know it's really great work absolutely and the other thing that i loved about it was you know, we haven't gotten to completely talk about it, but with Raven, this is the first time her characters had to make a decision of this magnitude. Mm. She has been a yes man through and through at, since we met her. And the fact that she had to put lives on the line and she had to say this, but Gunner, tell me your thoughts on this. I noticed, or to me, it felt a little bit like Clark was almost cold to Raven. It, I didn't get the mm. same... I didn't get the same love and, you know, just like just warm fuzzies that I did when Octavia embraced Echo or when Hope was able to reunite with her mother. With Clark, it just still felt like Clark has such a wall up that all she kept trying to do. And in that moment, that's probably what was best for Raven. But it just felt, it, I don't know. I just, I guess I expected more from Clark or her to have this, you know, monologue of wisdom to give to Raven, but instead it was just kind of short and sweet and it happened. And that was just kind of the addressing of it. I think that comes into both Raven and Clark's character. Raven is not, yeah. Raven is very motivational and very inspiring, but she's almost a bit blunt with herself and more yeah. of a, this is what to do. This is what it is. And it is a very, you know, always see that character who can say what you need to do or say what the tough decision, the answer to the tough decision is, and then be put into it and kind of fail at it and see that struggle for herself. But that's also what she needed a Raven to be Raven to her. And yeah. that's what Clark did. And I definitely think Clark was like that because one, it's like she says, she doesn't believe in karma. She is too determined. She has goals to complete. And she was more focused on Bellamy invested in that, that those kind of emotions to comfort were probably not on her main spectrum in that I'm going to comfort you because I have another goal in mind. And not to say that she was just dismissing them, but simply to be, I need to get through this hurdle and help you over this challenge with you. That way we can get on to this next issue and find Bellamy even faster and get through this fight. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Jorge, you look like you have some thoughts down there. No, I was completely agreeing with Gunner. I think it was also partially a, like a, an acting choice is what it looked like as well okay. is that, you know, I am, yes, I'm with you and I'm totally listening to you and everything that's going on with you, but we need to get the heck out of this stomach right now. Yeah. We're being digested. So the, so the actor herself was, you know, juggling a, a, a lot of plates is what we would say. Yeah. You know, you can't be completely engrossed into the other actor and be there like, yeah, I know, I feel your pain. 
oh shoot, well that's acid dripping on me, but I still feel your pain, you know. And that that also speaks to the character, you know. Clark has been through a lot and is constantly trying to weigh the odds, and she's a, you know, as as much as you can say she's impetuous, she's also strategic, you know. She's always looking for the exit door. How do I? I mean, she's been in enough jams to constantly be trying to find the right way out. Yeah, no, I like that insight, especially from the actor's perspective. That's, that makes, I mean, it makes total sense. And it, like you said, Gunnar, it's very on par with Clark's character. Mm -hmm. Um, So we know that they end up making the portal work. They get to Bardo where we know that Octavia Echo with her crazy, you know, says that she's, says that she's healed from Bellamy. Um, All four of them have agreed to be a part of this army for this impending war that we still have no details of which is driving me insane that we still have not gotten any information on it and we're in episode seven anyways i'm letting it go and aside from that we know that now clark and company have made it to bardo and um i can't think of the guy's name the like head commander white-haired dude anders anders there we go there we go okay anders i was like i knew it wasn't a normal name but anders has now awoken the shepherd AKA Bill. Bill. Like, I'm oh, sorry, that was such a like, such so a letdown of a such a, so, oh my God. I was hey guys. This. I was hey like, guys, I'm Bill. What? Yeah. Hey, Bill. I'm your savior. Like, what? I just John. Bill. John. Like, yes. <laughs> it's uh, cracking me up. I'm like, where's Uma Thurman with her katana blade right now, then, if you're yeah. Bill? <laughs> right? And so. We know that that's where they stand. I'm going to save all my questions for when we get to prediction because I do have some thoughts around all of this, um, especially with Clark being the key. Um, Also, so now let's go to Sanctum. In Sanctum, we have this new alliance forming between um, the Children of Gabriel and the Prisoners of Earth because of Emery and her decision to do this reunification thing. Do you think her heart was in the right place, Jorge? Yeah. Um, I think it was also, uh, what is that doctor's name again? The, the uh, Jackson. Jackson, right. Yeah. I, I, I think it's a lot what Jackson was talking about, is that uh, Emery was, you know, feeling, and, and, and she admitted it too, in yeah. the tavern with, with Nelson. Yeah. You know, I too was cast out once. And if I had a chance to reconnect with my family and find out why, I would want to know. She, it, it was a little, um, there was a bit of self, self-interest in that, you know, which yeah. goes back to that old saying that no good deed is completely altruistic, right? Yeah, um, I, I, I agree. Yeah. I feel like she had like rose-colored glasses on yeah. that she mm-hmm. wasn't going to listen to anyone else. Mm-hmm. She was doing this. And in her mind, because it would benefit her and make her feel better, she thought that that was the only solution, the only outcome. She didn't even think of any ramifications of like what actually ended up happening. Gunner, did you expect that? Did you anticipate that it was going to go south? because I didn't. I actually thought the exact opposite was going to happen. I thought that Nelson was going to feel better being reunited with his parents and that it wasn't going to lead to the alliance, but I was clearly wrong on that one. I I don't know how I thought the alliance was still going to happen, even if he would have felt better about himself. So that's okay. one that was almost frustrating to me. I was kind of thinking, 
I love parental love. I love when the parent and child are love again and seeing that. And I, I feel for more, you know, just as much, even if it is just for the matter of, I feel better about myself when you just like selfless, even like recycling a piece of trash or you <laughs> grab something for someone that they drop. You're like, I feel better. I just know I made the day just a little bit better. I know that's for sure me. Yeah. And her intentions were pure. Exactly. Right. Her intentions were I want to do something good and to make me feel good because I did something good. There's nothing wrong with that, I think. I definitely know I blinded her. It was surprising how much that was being played and manipulated by Shadhara. Yes. And those oh, kind wow. of causes. And that's why I think either he's gotten into the brain of the prisoners and the female leader, I forget her name, or as bad as to say, she's so dumb enough to be played that he could play her without even having to actually manipulate her and just knows what's happening and how to say things. So... That was frustrating too. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. See, I find it unique that he keeps using the specific phrase, I hear things. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like that means something deeper than just your actual using your senses. I feel like that's his way of telling us that he somehow has this <gasps> oversight oh. of everyone. You know, like I just, that's mm-hmm. where my gut is telling me. And then, but tell me if y'all are getting this at all. To me, with Emery, I and they're they're very much alluding to this. Her liking being, you know, praised and worshipped, and they're and she's liking this role. But she really is starting to take on the character and the characteristics of Kaylee Prime. And mm-hmm. I think, and it's, you know, and it's interesting as she's continuously reading these books by Kaylee, she's even starting to incorporate some of their vocabulary into just her everyday life. And so I think it's really unique what they're potentially doing there. Mm-hmm. Worrisome. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. It's very so, worrisome. So we know that that's where everything is there. Things are really popping off and kind of war is realistically beginning in Sanctum. Um, do you guys think that this war in Sanctum is what Anders and them have consistently been worried, talking about? I, Partially. I, think I, just, I honestly about. just thought about that. Like that thought connected in my brain two minutes ago. I don't want to say that is the war they're planning, so maybe a mass invasion type thing. Yeah. But somehow, yes, they're on different planets, but somehow the planets are going to merge or giant wormholes are going to open up, but it's, yeah. they're going to be involved on the, fi- the side that they're getting that the uh, disciples are going to fight against somehow. Yeah. Maybe it's an alien race. I mean, they keep on talking about the original Bardonians, right? True. That were there, that went extinct before them. And then it's there was that true. whole thing, the, the episode before, about going to the surface. And it's yep. what killed out the Bardonians. Oh, it's that's right. It's very true. And see, and again, it just goes back to, because we're leaning a little bit into predictions. So I'm going to try and make a safe sum. But <laughs> I, I do wish, and this isn't exactly a prediction. This is just a hopeful proclamation that i want them to give us more history onto how like i will be genuinely disappointed if we get to this end of the season and i don't know how the hell anders and all of his disciples got to bardo and i will be genuinely disappointed if i don't know the exact history to shade haida because yes yeah because especially with i thought it was interesting a the similarities between him and murphy because let's be honest there's a reason they had them to do that chess game for so long because they're both cockroaches they both know how to survive and they both know how to manipulate their opponents to get what they want Mm -hmm. and so it's interesting to see the two similarities in those characters but also the fact that shade Heda brought up the fact that 
he was killed by the other flame keepers, but mm -hmm. they also did the same thing to Lexa when no one liked her ideas. So it makes me wonder, you know, what what truly went down with him. But although Indra's Indra's gut is usually pretty spot on, and I mean, if she says he's all evil, then I'm gonna believe that. Well, there was a few Very episodes true. ago where she had that where she first discovered that yep. he who he was, yep. and talked about how he had um, her people on their knees. Yeah, right. Like basically choosing yeah. to follow him. Like, and, or, I mean, yeah. they didn't have a choice. They were going to follow. They, 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 yeah, they were conquered, basically. Yes. They were yes. conquered. And then with the Bardonians, with Anders and those guys, uh, it, 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 it was Gabriel that, the, that realized that they weren't on the other ship, that they yeah. came originally from Earth itself. Yeah. So, yeah, I want to know more, too. I'm with you, Haley. Yeah, I just... That, I, tell me more. That's, that's my wish, and that's, you know, where we stand. The other yeah. cutest thing from all of this is maddie and then maddie and jackson's relationship i just thought that was a really sweet moment between the two of them and i mean something okay wait no this is going to be get into my prediction so i'm telling you I have a prediction about maddie but we'll get to it and the significance right. of her convo with jackson but as mm. far as that goes that's where everything stands pretty much mass chaos sounds about right for episode seven of a hundred season but with that, that's going to wrap up this specific episode. However, we've got to play our special segment, a.k.a. Jorge's Game. So, Jorge, let's go ahead and get started. All right, guys. So, every week I pay a little extra special attention to the uh, dialogue. I even play it with the closed captioning so that I can do a word count. And the word count is usually somebody's name or some sort of phrase uh, and how many times it's said. And I'm going to play with our host here and you, and with my fellow co-host, and you guys can play at home. Um, and the, uh, it's the over-under, okay? So um, we'll start with Clark and how many times her name was said this episode, okay? Over-under seven times. Over. Under. Under God, five. Yes. I lose every time. <laughs> because this episode, she really wasn't said. She was just referred to as the key, or it was at the very end. I know she said was said like four times, or whatever, and that uh, was it. Fair, fair. It was, uh, four? it was five. Oh my gosh, I was like, was wow, five, so good. It was five. It was five times. You were almost like right on the money on that one. Uh, okay, here's a phrase. A phrase for you. Okay. Over under the phrase our friends. Uh, six oh. uh, over under six. I'm gonna under. go with under again. Under nine times. Oh, ah, wow. our friends, our friends, our friends, our definitely friends. Thought, our definitely friends. thought. I know. I was like, I, I know. In my head, would have had more. Same. In my head, I was like, okay, this episode was not very friendly. So <laughs> oh, they were talking about having to get their friends back from like different. True. Or, or our friends went to go find our friends. Um. Okay, this one was surprising. Uh, here's another phrase for you. Over, under, my people, uh, 10 times. Over, under. Because you said surprising, I'm going under. I'm going over because I think I've shed head up for some reason. I'm feeling it's going to be him for some reason. Haley gets this one. Yes! <laughs> I just oh. straight use context clues on that one. <laughs> You could be a, you could be a detective, right? Nice. You know, I, yeah. I'm I'm good at reading people. All right, and uh, Gunner has some awesome news and gossip for us. Take it away, Gunner. 
So as we were starting to talk about Raven and even one of our members of the group chat, ER's grandpa knew about this, Lindsay Morgan, who plays Raven, actually directed this episode for her directorial debut, The Queen's Gambit. So that was super oh, exciting. We'd love to see female that's... directors coming up. That's really cool. And hence all of these awesome women moments. I love that. Right? Yeah, no doubt. Okay, guys, prediction time. All right, I'm just going to go ahead and say mine very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, my prediction is there was a reason why this whole Maddie moment happened, her panic attack. There's a reason why they're referring to the last time when it wasn't entirely her choice. She did it to protect Clark. And they're they're talking about this moment. She's working through this with Jackson. I think that Maddie is still going to have her commander moment. I think that something is going to happen that she is going to have to step up and we're going to get to watch her evolution of going from this scared child and witnessing that to her having some sort of personal growth triumph and having her own commander moment. Absolutely agree with that. Uh, I would love to even see a spinoff of Maddie's leadership if say, because I think she's definitely going to come back and be a leader because it was so heavily hinged at that she was going to take over. And now that it was removed, she's going to be a true leader by herself, not just because of some birthright. Well, Agreed. just still the birthright. Uh, my other theory is, I think somehow Clark is related to this Bill guy. I thought mm. whoever uh, Anders was going to get was either going to be Bellamy or her dad at first, because I thought that was going to be a super oh, big like, no, no, no. because we've only seen her dad once. Yeah, first so, season. First season te- in the flashback. And technically, I mean, now he has long hair, he's older. They could have easily casted a new character to play mm-hmm. her dad to where we wouldn't yes. even know. Oh, I like yeah. that. Ooh. I like that. Jorge, do you have any? Uh, I'm with Gunner. I totally thought when they were walking, when he, Anders was walking at the end there, I thought he was going to wake up Bellamy. Uh, right. he, even when I saw him in the little sarcophagus there, and it was, I was like, oh, maybe it's older Be- Bellamy. Is the actor wearing makeup? For a moment, I was so disappointed when I heard it was Bill. Um, was like, Bill, I am Bill. I Almost, am Bill. No, uh, it doesn't even sound as good as Ted. I am Groot, right? <laughs> nothing sounds as good as I am. Groot. Um, nothing sounds as I think there's something to do with the Bardonians, the original Bardonians. Yep. They keep referencing them, we yep. haven't seen them. Uh, Jordan in the episode before last, who I think is probably the most useless character on the show. Uh, sorry, so <laughs> he's kind of useless. I love him uh, though. Yeah, but what does he do? What does he do for anybody, really? He's, what does he do? He's he's, he's the, the kind he of thing. He kept them alive, okay? That's why. Okay. He, gets, he, yeah. he gets brownie points for keeping them alive on the ship. Yeah, all right, on the ship. What have you done for me lately, Jordan? <laughs> I uh, <laughs> um, well, I mean, he was talking about, oh, it would have been really cool to see aliens, right? Yep. And I think everybody who has been watching this show since day one, season one, has been waiting for aliens or something. Yeah. I mean, I remember in season one when we saw weird-looking horses and, and that panther thing. And I was like, where are those things again? Where are those yeah, things true. again? So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping aliens and that's yeah. the last war. It could be. It definitely could be that there was another race and that's how people from Earth went chasing after them potentially or originally people yeah. from Earth were prisoners. The, honestly, the possibilities with this show are completely endless. All I want, all I want is a Shadehead backstory and a Bardo backstory. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all I'm asking. That's Not too much over here. Yeah. Not too much. And hopefully Bellamy not to actually be dead. Come on, um, Bells. 
but we will have to wait until next Wednesday to find out. But guys, it was so good getting to chat about this with y'all. I really missed it. And it, I was able to relieve some of my frustrations. I feel much better. I'm in a much better place watching the 100 now than just going into it every week with anticipation and getting no answers. I feel better. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Well, I'm your host, Haley Graves. Again, we'll be back here next Thursday night to talk about the 100. And we should be back every week from now on. Uh, Gunner, go ahead and tell the people where they can follow you. You can find me at the Gunner Thomas on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me also on the Avatar After Show. Ooh, I love yeah. Avatar. And Jorge, what about you? Uh, guys, you can find me on all my social medias right here at, at the L Jorge. Um, on my Twitter, my Instagram, and all that jazz. And guys, you can follow me on Instagram, Haley Graves with two S's. That's H-A-L-E-Y-G-R-A-V-E-S-S. And on Twitter, Haley one Graves 2 all right, we will see you back here next week. Cannot wait to talk with you guys. All right, bye everyone. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. Riding a bike. Yes. And I'm so excited now to start Roswell, New Mexico, to get into that finally. No, I'm telling you, it's very good and you're going to be sad.